Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Thock, a podcast about the mechanical keyboard hobby and what makes it write unnecessarily long introductions. Uh, my name is Theremin Goat, and I'm joined today by uh, my co-host, Vogon PT, as well as a special guest. Uh, how are you doing today, Vogon? I am doing good. I'm doing good, man. Uh, so I, I would like to introduce our special guest tonight, which is a mechanical keyboard enthusiast, also a switch collector, the designer behind Alchemist Keyboards, has a project under his belt such as the Rain, is rumored he has a secret love for Handerbyte and owning every pink key set out there, and is a good friend of the show. Mr. James AKB, welcome to the talk. Good to be here, guys. How's it going? Doing good, man. Doing good. I'm doing great. So, I have a question for you then. Uh, you know that uh, we always, always start with this uh, very cheesy question, but, um, you know, it is how it is. So what got you into the mechanical keyboard hobby to start with? Right. Uh, I just got into Reddit and I was obsessively scrolling through, as you do. And I saw uh, like a top post, which was seemingly a wooden keyboard with Sky Dolch on it. And that really opened my eyes to what keyboards could actually look like. Prior to this, I'd only used uh, membrane keyboards, and I'd recently got uh, a Razer TKL. Can't remember the name of it. And yeah, I just joined RMK, and from there, it was a very slippery slope. So you, uh, I'm guessing you're probably typing on that now, right? That same wooden case and Dolch that got you interested in this all to start with, right? Yep. Yeah, I managed to get hold of that very board, and. Uh, I haven't moved from it since. Uh, okay. Ignoring everything else that's been coming out in this hobby. Good. It's, it's all about this one board. Thank you, guys. Podcast over. It was a good show. Thank you very much. Good night, guys. See you later. <laughs> so no. So seriously though, what are you what are you actually typing on now? Um, so for perspective, um, for those of you who don't know me all that well, I've been good friends with James for some time, so I know he has um, much more interesting keyboards than that, and one that he's currently typing on now. So. What what is it that you were actually typing on? Uh, I'm typing on the Petricle, which is uh, the latest board I've had made. It's a uh, Froless eighteen hundred isolation mount, and yeah, it's the only board I'm using currently. I take it to work with me every day. So very sexy, very sexy board. Yeah, it's a very sexy board. I must Great, tell thank you. Thank you. Um, and then on that, so being that you actually are have designed the keyboard that you are currently typing on. Um, is that is that too deep? Uh, have you not reached uh, rock bottom yet? Where where exactly was too deep, or at least how you recognize that you are way too far in this hobby for uh, for your own good? It was quite early on, actually, because prior to this, uh, I was really into collecting uh, films, limited edition DVDs, Blu-rays, that kind of thing. And I had to bail out of that hobby because the monthly cost was just more than I could afford and I've passed the point a good while ago now where I'm spending more than what I was in the previous hobby so even that point I thought shit I'm probably too deep now but fortunately at least I can hopefully make a couple of quid here and there in this hobby whereas in the last one it was just nothing but spending the great equalizer in the keyboard community, how deep your bank account goes. So. Yeah, still pretty shallow, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, very interesting. 
So question for you, James. So um, we know that you have a, you know, a lot of boards and everything. Do you have a specific and favorite lay layout that you like? Uh, it's, it fluctuates a little here and there. Uh, currently, the flavor of the month is the, the F Rollers 1800, which is the one I'm using now. Um, and previously, it's been 65%. Uh, because I do like having a small board, and whenever I take one to work, I don't have a lot of workspace there, so a smaller board is ideal. And I do like having my arrows, but just with this, uh, with the 1800 layout, I can use my numpad when I'm working on CAD, it's so much more convenient. I've still got my arrows, and it's still smaller than a full size. So, in my, in my opinion, it's still kind of the perfect balance of like function and size. So it's got basically everything that I need on it, and it's still not too big, really. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, same as me. I think sixty, sixty-five is the perfect, uh, the perfect balance on 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 most of the of the mm. keyboards. But eighteen hundred yeah. is eighteen hundred. You know, the, I'm 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 also a sucker for numpads, right? And and eighteen hundred, I think it fits, especially like you, like I saw the Petricor without Yefro. Although then you could discuss if if it's an eighteen hundred, why doesn't it have the effort? But I I think that the the look of the Petricor is very very nice. It, it, it well, my view great. is F, F keys are the easiest to use on a layer because you just hold F N and it's one, and F N is F one. Yeah, correct. F N two is F two, etc. Um, yeah. Well, the keys it is on true. the top right, like pause, break, and things like that. I don't even know what they do, so <laughs> I don't use those anyway, so I don't miss them. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I ever use the... The only one I use often is print screen, but other than that, I don't know what, what pause and break do, even what, what, what you know, but it's, I think it's... It's totally beyond me. Um, I'm not deep enough in this hobby, evidently. I'm completely biased in this because two of the boards I use all the time are my Zlant and Plank, and they don't even have labeled keycaps, so I'm very much a sucker for... Um, you're also a reprobate. Same way. <laughs> yeah, you're a special case, aren't you? Something like that. On another note, do you like them stiff or do you like them wiggly? So, what is your favorite mounting style? You that have, you know, now even you, you even build keyboards. So, uh, have you arrived to a specific mountain style, mounting style that you like? And you know, I'm glad you elaborated on that initial statement. <laughs> Um, currently, I still haven't tried everything that I'd like to. I still haven't had a, a truly flexible board. Uh, I had the IDB 60 prototype when they first came around, but uh, I didn't use it for very long. Um, it's because it's 60%, it's not really my bag. But from proper experience, like everyday use, I think my favourite is like an isolation mount. And it's it's fairly firm, but it's cushioned. It's not really any flex in it. Um, you, you could design it to be that way if you have flex cuts in your plate and stuff, but it's it's generally quite firm. It's just still soft on the bottom out. I'd I'd, I'd like to try more flexible stuff though. Like uh, I've got other projects coming up, which uh, will hopefully experiment with that. Interesting, interesting. Do you so for for the newbies out there? Um, you know, is it the sound thing that that difference? Because you tell tell me that it's still a very firm typing experience. Is is it more the sound profile? The the you know, uh, it's part of it. Um, isolation mount seems to cover uh, two different aspects. 
at the board, in my view. And you, you've got your feel because you're with isolation mount, as the title suggests, the, the plate is completely isolated from the rest of the case. So your plate won't be touching the case directly at all. It's being sandwiched by gaskets of whatever material you choose, be like yeah, nitro rubber or neoprene or something like that. And because there's no contact, it will affect the sound as well. You won't have the reverberation um, traveling through your case between those contacts on the hard parts. So, yeah, it benefits both, in my opinion. And I'm not a fan of the reverberation, so getting rid of that is great for me. And then, of course, to to ruin it by putting something like box jades or or box navies in there immediately to eliminate all sound benefits that you get um, from something like that. (laughs) That would be done truly by a man of culture. (laughs) So next question is, ergo what, bruv? So what is ergonomics to you? What is your favorite layout? And why do you like 10U space bars? Wow. Um, Actually, my... My overall opinion when it comes to ergonomics is quite simple. I'm a bit of a Luddite in that respect. I I haven't got any experience with split boards. I know I don't like ortho. I've tried that much. And I tend to like quite steep angles on my boards as well. Um, you say a 10U spacebar, I'm partial to that as well. I like my vintage boards. They've got all kinds of weird and wonderful layouts, but I'm quite versatile with that kind of thing. So you're talking like wrist breaker TKL angles, you know, 13 degrees. Yeah. Straight slope, right? I mean, the board that I've used the most throughout my time in this hobby is a G80-1800 with the feet flipped up. And that's, uh, I believe, somewhere around 13 degrees. And that is completely comfortable to me. Nice. So, yeah. Um, if I had to kind of summarize it in a statement, it's whatever feels comfortable, really. If I'm comfortable, I'm happy. Um the layout's not as important. It's something I just like to experiment with, and maybe one day I'll find the perfect thing. But typing on, you know, regular staggered boards, yeah, I'm perfectly happy with that. It's I'm comfortable. But definitely not ortho. No, that can get in the bin. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's a that's kind of a good point uh, for us to go ahead and jump off into more of the the personalized questions, the ones we don't necessarily ask every guest. As we kind of gone through these intro sections, you've mentioned uh, <clears throat> quite a couple of boards, in fact, James. So being that you currently design for Alchemist keyboards, um, many people are probably aware of projects that you have worked on. Um, I mean, you've mentioned already the Rain and Petricor, um, and I know you've mentioned the, the G80-1800, which anyone who, who has looked into you a bit will know um, was a heavy influence on your AKB OGR, um, that one the design contest last summer for our custom keyboards. Um, But you've also got some upcoming projects and I believe, if I'm correct, some other things that you've worked on kind of with a little bit less credit your way. Uh, Do you want to go ahead and roll us through the full list of boards that you've contributed to? Um, Tell us which ones were some of your favorites, which ones you hated the most, people you particularly hate working with. (laughs) (laughs) You want me to spill some tea? Right. Um, I can't really go through many of them because they're not public or have agreed not to talk about them. So they're kind of works in progress still. But um, You can say whatever you want. <laughs> um, the most well-known boards that I've worked on are the J02. It's something that's uh, very 
heavily involved with the design process of that one. And uh, I also designed the JO1 Rev1, which very recently ran in Group I. Um, via a prototypist, which is a company that I do work with sometimes, uh, we designed the Argyle for Socialite, which is at that 60%, which has got the, the windows on the side that show the exposed PCB components. Which is a beautiful board. It is a beautiful board. Yeah, it's board. pretty cool, isn't it? And that's all Socialite, really. But yeah, I, I was the CAD monkey for that job. Um, yeah, the. It's quite a short list for stuff that I'm allowed to talk about, but yeah, I think the J01 Rev1 is the one that I'm probably proudest of. Now that is that's the board from uh, J, like Top Clack J, that everyone might recognize, and that's the the person. When you say we with respect to prototypists, that is um, who you are talking about with we, correct? Yes, that is Jay, uh, known as presenter of Top Clack, um, the guy behind Prototypist UK keyboard vendor and yeah he commissioned me to design a new revision of his fabled chair one board which just made maybe two years ago if not more and something a little more publicly available i just wanted to make it a little bit different so he just told me that and ran with it and made a seamless version of it very interesting yeah and that looks very good too it's actually a very good looking board too thank you so question for you. So then prior to designing keyboards, right? I know that you collected switches much in the same fashion as our, you know, my 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 co-host Goat. Um could you tell me about the transition from a, you know, from a collector to a keyboard designer and and why did you choose that route? Why did you went on on that side of the of the hobby? It wasn't really a conscious decision that I made, but when it came to starting the uh, keyboard design aspect of things, it was actually part of a more of a collective idea. Uh, on the uh, the UK keyboard server, MKUK, there were a few of us who were discussing the 1800 Mini, which is like a cross between a, an 1800 and a 40% keyboard, so it's lacking the, the punctuation. And we were discussing how it lacked ISO options. And just as a bit of a joke, um, we were just playing around with layouts and uh, different ideas. And we finally landed on the layout, which would eventually become the rain later on. Now, Stocks, who's the admin of that server, he dared me to make the board. He said, if you make this board, I will buy it. I promise you that. (laughs) So that was kind of the, the motivation that I needed to learn. So... From there is learning CAD and whatnot. Eventually, that board would get made and very quickly spiral into this hole that I'm in now. But at the time, I was still collecting switches. That was still my primary focus. But over time, uh, I became more and more fascinated and uh, completely enveloped in the whole keyboard design side of things because it was a nice, productive outlet. It's something that I've not had in quite some time. It's very uh, fulfilling as well i think yeah yeah exactly. and but, sorry go ahead no just i was just going to ask but but do you did you do you still co- continue to collect switches or is something that you you know you i know your your collection I've, I've seen it personally but um do you still continue to collect it or you know it's something that now you Not put really. on the back burner yeah so yeah as as i gradually shifted my focus towards the designing side 
Um, I was having less and less time to scour Taobao, AliExpress, Geekak, etc. for new switches. Now, I was already talking to Goat regularly looking for new stuff, as well as uh, a couple of other friends of ours as well. But with the, the sheer amount of recolors that were coming out, which is probably uh, end of last year, start of this year, uh, I couldn't keep up. And with having to buy, you know, 10 or 70 or 110 of these at a time just to get hold of them, it became a very expensive part of the hobby as well. So my original reason for collecting, which was, you know, switches are much cheaper than keyboards, was no longer the case. So yeah. I just had to kind of jump off before it snowballed too much, really. Yeah, it makes sense. What, makes he, sense. what he means to say is he got intimidated by my collection growing at the rate. That it Correct. was, and he, he was scared, so he, he kind of dropped off there a little yeah, bit. That, 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 that's okay. what I was going to say. He got Something scared. Something like that, right, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, we'll make sure to edit that part out in post so you don't have to admit to it. Like I said, it's <laughs> Let's not forget how many switches I've given you. No, and he, you've given me quite a bit. Um, At least four or five. I'm still friendly with you after all these years. Yeah, more, yeah, more than three. <laughs> um. But no, it's it's kind of interesting. You've talked about that that gradual, um, the gradual shift into keyboard designing. You know, with with stocks is there and everything. Um, I guess when it when it comes to like designing keyboards itself, um, are there particular you know companies, keyboards, people that you've taken inspiration from? I mean, I'm not saying that you are going to be like everyone's was a type master and copy immediately off of Key Cult. But I'm sure that you have some sort of inspiration or points that have kind of brought you there. I think you've already mentioned the uh, the G80 1800, which, if I'm not mistaken, is a, a vintage Cherry keyboard, correct? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I think they're still making those up in, well into the 2000s, actually. But when it comes to inspiration, I don't draw a lot of inspiration from other like designers currently in the hobby. Because it's very easily, very easy to step on people's toes, and I'm very aware of that. And considering that my tastes primarily sit in the more vintage style of things, I tend to look back for inspiration instead. So boards such as the G80 1800, and we've got um, other cherry boards in that range as well. I mean, even stuff that's branching off into Commodore designs, um, like Forward Electronics, there's various typewriters like Triumph Adler, Olympia, Royal, etc. Mm-hmm. I tend to try and take small parts of their design and then adapt them into a more modern style. Well, yeah, because you're, so, again, and I can't remember the full list, but your AKB OGR, the, the one that I had already mentioned, won the OG Summer Competition. You had said that that had had inspiration from, like, what, three or four different vintage keyboards? Uh, yes, it, it had. Um, primarily, it, it was actually the uh, the G81 3077, which is the NCR branded two-tone uh, 3000 layout uh, cherry board. Um, so that's where you, know, you get the slanted nose from, the two-tone color scheme on the board itself. Uh, there's also the uh, the G80 0832. Um, 
slightly lesser known board that one it's not exactly hailed as a classic by many but it had a again another two-tone design on the top where you had like a different color around the keys and i liked that um aspect and tried to implement implement that as best i can on the ogr definitely shows uh, that that inspiration if you i mean those of you listening if you scrub back a little bit go ahead and look up those numbers um, I remember looking at the the inspiration boards as he did it, as he was showing me design stuff, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I completely see where that influence came from." So, yeah, and the third one is I, I cannot remember the exact cherry designation for it, but it's the keyboard from the Commodore PC five, and uh, I actually have one of those now, which is mentioned earlier with the ten U space part, but uh, I think it's a beautiful board, and it has those XT columns on the left. And I thought I just had to implement those uh, on the left-hand side. It, it just kind of screams classic design to me. Yeah, it does. Now, question for you then, James. If I was a person looking to start, you know, keyboard designing, right? Uh, how would you recommend for me to go start start about it, right? What What are the biggest challenges in designing, and what did you find were the biggest challenges in designing, you know, your first keyboard? The the biggest kind of initial hurdle to overcome, aside from obviously knowing the way you're around CAD software, is knowing the actual dimensions, uh, clearances and tolerances, etc. involved in the design of a keyboard. So if you don't know the size of a uh, like a cherry keycap or uh, the size of a switch cutout on a plate, then you're not going to go very far. So uh, thankfully, uh, there are quite a few resources available for people. Uh, where a lot of these are kind of all in one place. Um, there's a there's a recent Discord server that's popped up um, from AIO3 called Keyboard Atelier, and that has got a lot of information on it. Um, you could use the uh, Quantrix video tutorial, which is actually where I started. It's a bit of a it's not an easy one to learn from. I had to basically watch it five or ten seconds at a time because he does fly through it a little bit. Uh, I'm a bit of a slow learner anyway, but uh, it was super helpful for me. Um, quite a lot of the general interface of Fusion, like the CAD software, gets explained in that video as well. So I would say that's very, very helpful. And also just ask questions. I mean, there's a lot of really nice people, like people that are happy to help in this hobby. So, you know, throw all shame out the window and just ask for help. And I'm sure people are happy to oblige. Yeah, I think the, the important point point that you that you mentioned about the, you know, measure measurement, right? Which is, mm. did you have every, did you ever any um, bad experience on that? Any, you know, any board that you designed that you realized that oh, when you got the prototype or something that you realized oh, this was missed. Yeah, I've there was one board in particular, um, one that goes fan of actually that I designed a while back called uh, AKP sixty five. That's probably from over a year ago now. Still um, waiting for it. Still waiting. <laughs> uh, I I made a real rookie mistake with that one where the well the winkyless blockers were too tall, um, half a millimeter too tall, but too tall nonetheless, and they actually scraped um, the keycaps above when you press them down, and that was heartbreaking when I found that out. It was such a rookie error, but again, I was I was quite early on with the designing thing still, I guess. Um, and there was also another internal thing, which I won't elaborate on too much because it gets a little bit technical, but uh, I didn't 
allow for enough clearance inside so I couldn't get the full effect of what I wanted to achieve so I may have to go back to the drawing board on the internals for that one I think yeah but I think it's a, it's an important point that you that you mentioned right is that it's a half millimeter difference makes all the difference mm. on this on, yeah, on, on it and, it can be absolutely significant especially yeah. when it comes to clearances yeah um, well, I, I guess not to, to try and shift focus off of, you know, keyboard design, but, you know, you've kind of already hinted, you know, with respect to getting the, the prototype and realizing that the, the wing keyless blockers on uh, <clears throat> the best keyboard you've ever designed, uh, <laughs> not, not biased at all, but no, that, that, you know, getting that prototype and, and seeing something was wrong. Um, what a lot of people, I think, at least beginners in this hobby don't quite realize is that it's not just designing a keyboard, walking down the street and getting it made, you know, at a local store or whatever. There's a whole process after designing a keyboard. There's, you know, uh, the prototyping phase. There's the talking to manufacturers, the actual getting it manufactured, group buy phase. There's all of those phases. Um, you know, could you speak a little bit to that? Like, I know that's a really open-ended question, but uh, some things that you found interesting or at least that you think beginners might... A benefit from knowing about kind of that whole process and what actually goes in past just designing the the next best keyboard Man, there's so much um i'm still not great at running group buys myself which is why i'm kind of shifting towards working with vendors who actually know what they're doing but in group buys can be quite simple if you're focusing on something just like desk mats or uh, switches or something like that. we just got a single item you can get it in bag it up and send it out um, but if you're running a keyboard group by, there's so many elements that go into each board. Um, I take the, the Petrocore, for example, uh, most recent group by around. It was only 12 units, but again, many elements involved. And for that alone, there were you know, the case parts, different gasket layers, PCBs, plates, screws, and then you've got your shipping boxes, backing materials, anti-static bags, and all those kinds of things. And considering that I'm in the UK, I have to factor in VAT, there's 20% on top of everything that I get. Um, things can get pricey, so you're playing with people's money, you need to make sure that you do it just right. You need to account for everything, you need a risk factor. Um, don't do what I did on the rain group buy and try and keep your margins as thin as possible because things can go wrong and you'll end up losing money out of the thing. So yeah, it's you just need to plan and be very careful and try and make sure all bases are covered because it's it's a big deal like you can be handling potentially thousands and thousands of pounds or dollars and, it, and it's an important thing it's an important thing that you know on a previous discussion with you that that, that i also found out is that uh, people don't realize it's not cheap just to make a prototype right it's not a cheap no, thing so people no. people might think oh i have this idea on kle and that's it i'm going to make a board it's not a cheap process and you know like you said, there's a lot involved in it, right? It can, I mean, it can be quite cheap. Um, but if you want to have a prototype that, say, if you have a, an interest check on Geekhack and you you're trying to sell what is basically a premium design, like a really expensive custom keyboard, you don't want your prototype to look like crap. You want to plug in those extra dollars to make sure that you get what resembles the finished article, and that can potentially cost hundreds and hundreds you could be reaching a thousand dollars if you got something a little more intricate like the ogr for example um which is why 
well, uh, Goat's favourite board, the AKB65, hasn't been made yet because I just don't have the money to sink back into it again because I've got to start from the drawing board on that one. Yeah, yeah. But no, so, uh, I mean, you had mentioned, uh, like, you have to have a good prototype or at least you really should have a good prototype for uh, those high-end boards like that. Um, yeah, although, that's my perspective, yeah. I mean, you start to see, though, and, and you can't deny it, the more you get on Geek Hack, you're starting to see, I mean, aside these... <laughs> joke keycap sets with GMK Simpsons and whatnot, but uh, you'll start to see a lot more of these boards are focusing towards like hyper realistic renders. Um, I know there's a couple of people who do some insanely good renders out there. Um, I know like Dale Snail, Dale X Snail is one of them who does a lot. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think Max Erfi and Pico Alu as well. Who? All very talented. Uh, Max Erfi, he did the OGR renders, and then Pico Alu done the uh, renders for the Ayla for me which I'm gradually drip feeding so I was I was gonna I was gonna kind of ask um, so do you, you think that we're going to see a transition away from necessarily getting those expensive prototypes do you think getting more of these like super highlist uh, super you know hyper realistic renders almost as, as being kind of that replacement for that expensive um, keyboard prototype because you know just throwing numbers out there um, that I've heard mentioned from other people before, a prototype, like a one-off prototype keyboard from China, I know can run, I mean, it could run up to $1,000 or more, depending on what factory, what requirements you need. So do you yeah. think you're gonna, we're going to see a shift away from that as this uh, community changes over time? I don't think so. I mean, what I've seen over the time I've been observing places like GeekHack is the community, especially on GeekHack, uh, becoming increasingly critical as time goes on. They have higher and higher expectations. As soon as you have a new interest check that comes along, which is perfectly structured, uh, even like the GMK Dracula one, for example, that is uh, an amazing interest check, in my opinion. Like that, the entire thing follows the theme. It kind of sets the scene for what this keycap set's meant to be. Um, if you just come up with an interest check now, which is just, here's my board. I don't know how much it's going to cost. I don't know when it's going to be released. Uh, you're going to get flamed. So... I think renders at the very least will get you started, but there there are certain individuals, uh, very vocal individuals, who will say uh, you need a prototype to show proof of concept, uh, not just a digital render. Uh, this isn't just fantasy, it's real, it's here, it works. Um, come and buy it, please. No, I agree. I agree a bit on that too, to be honest. I, I agree that, you know, uh, seeing a, a physical prototype is totally different than seeing a render. And, you know, one of the examples, right, that I, the, from the the board from um, from uh, Nathan Alphaman, right, where he did a prototype and it was you know and it was a beautiful render. That prototype, uh, the renders were beautiful, and when he when he actually did the prototype, he realized that this doesn't look good on, on the actual uh, manufacturing, and he had to change you know the the look of the keyboard. He still keeps all the elements of that that lower part of the board, which is amazing, right? The evolve. Um, but but he did have to change it because of that because render only you know yes it looks beautiful on a render but then when you get the final you know the the actual prototype it doesn't really uh, fit to to what you are looking for right and we have a lot yeah, of cases I mean, like that right boards board like the evolve I mean they're really trying something new so fair play to the guy you know he's he's doing something that we haven't seen before but you really yeah. need to make sure it works so obviously he did the right thing you know he he put the word out there this is what I propose that we do but. You, you know he's been open and honest about it throughout and uh yeah kudos to the guy i really hope that comes off well for him it's a really cool looking board yeah 
Well, it's, it's interesting that you, um, you kind of point out the evolve, um, as one of those, you know, kind of interesting boards that at least stands out, whether or not you like the design, don't like the design. Uh, it's certainly bringing something interesting forward kind of into keyboards. Um, I guess my question for you, my, well, I guess another question for you, um, are there other keyboards out there that you recognize from other designers right off the top of your head that are like really starting to push, you know, the boundaries or, or have some interesting design techniques that, um, you're not sure, you know, you've seen before, or do you think that will actually spark some sort of next creative movement in the keyboard community, James? That's a tricky one because when it comes to the technological side of things, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't have my ear truly to the ground on this kind of thing. As I say, I tend to look back at keyboard design instead. But I mean, even just even just design things, right? So we're starting to see a lot more interesting side profiles. Um, I talk to James a lot for the um, for those of you who are you know have never designed a keyboard. Um, side profiles are very much just if you look at a keyboard from the side with keycaps on, you know, what's that looking like? What are your curves? What are the lines? What's the angle that you're working at? Um, so something like that, maybe the backside. Um, we, we're starting to see at least, I think, maybe a lot more like different weighting techniques. You'll see like two different weights, like the wrist breaker that I mentioned earlier. We've seen like pop through designs for weights like the the fancy TKL. We've seen all internal weights, you know, are there even just design concepts that you think um, are, are interesting or you think we might see in the future? Well, the, the latest, I wouldn't say it's a trend yet, uh, maybe one day, uh, the latest kind of interesting new development I've seen is uh, how people try and implement a seamless and screwless design. And I believe the first board to do so is uh, one of the key core boards. But there are there are other ways of doing it. I know that uh, AIO3 has come out with uh, different implementations since. I've done one of my own. It's a board coming soon. Um, but I think with that, it can really give you more creative freedom for how the bottom of the board or the side profile of the board can actually look. Um, you're not worried about where these screw holes are going to go anymore. Um, when it comes to how design trends shift uh, i think we're currently in a phase of where people are looking at the most respected design studios such as kiko or tgr for example um it's kind of like the how mercedes works with cars where they'll bring out a new feature and it will eventually trickle down from mercedes into everyday cars and you'll see this keep key cult design and then you'll see five other boards with a, a similar kind of implementation or at least taking elements of that into the own board a few months later. Um, we seem to be seeing that quite a bit at the moment, so I think that's kind of the current era that we're in. Um, but when it comes to like truly trying something new like the Evolve has done, I'm not really aware of it, but so I've not really been paying too much attention in all honesty. Do you think that uh, the lodestone with the magnets... Um, you know, again, that's not, a great example. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. totally forgot right. about that. Yeah. Uh, that could be potentially very interesting. And uh, I know there's a couple of boards out there. Um, they're attempting uh, magnet levitation in their design. Um, I'm just keen to see where they go. I'm very keen to uh, find out how they feel, really, because I know it's going to be a very tricky thing to uh, perfect 
Uh, yeah. It's not simply screwing a plate into a board, for example. It's something entirely different you're playing with. I think it's a genius, it's just a genius idea, but but like you said, it's probably one of the hardest things to to try and implement correctly, right? Because uh, you know, it's it, it, again, it's uh, it's possible. We have trains that do that, but um, yeah, but um, but I think that it's probably that the the implementation side of it, uh, you know, the design part of it, that's probably the trickiest one, right? Yeah, I mean, kudos to the people who are trying to do that. Correct. Like, uh, yeah. like Flex with Lowstone, along with Jay, of course. Uh, there's Lewis with the Levitation 60. Yeah. I, if it was me, I would just wing it. <laughs> I'd just buy magnets, <laughs> put them in, see what works. Uh, I do not understand the uh, the science behind that at all. So, yeah, I tip my hat to those people. Yeah, indeed. So, I mean, um, we, we've sat here and we've talked for quite a while now about keyboards kind of pull everything at least back towards the start of this podcast you had mentioned prior to you actually getting into keyboards you were um, involved with or you had mentioned tapes or, or videos movies in particular because i know this answer a little bit already um you obviously have something that you do outside of this besides go to work or at least something that you um, hold near and dear to your heart besides collecting pink keycap sets like we've mentioned before of course so do you want to talk a little bit about your your other hobby um or at least a little bit about that kind of where that came from where it's at now um how crazy you are about it so yeah my my first love my first real interest is film even before keyboards now keyboards takes up all my time but i've been into film for as long as I could have hobbies, really. Um, I was raised on like slasher films and stuff like that, action movies like Schwarzenegger and Van Damme. As I've gone older, I've kind of transitioned to something more kind of horror and cult focused. And yeah, um, I, I wasn't fully immersed in it like I used to be. Is there a little bit more refinement to that? Because when, when people, you hear horror slasher films, everyone probably immediately jumps to, you know, saw and you know texas chainsaw massacre and stuff like that so where it go yeah it, it goes a little deeper um again with kind of like keyboards i tend to look back for truly decent horror uh I, i'm not a huge fan of a lot of what comes out nowadays where it's uh it's just tension building up to a jump scare um I do like a general sense of unease. So you could look back to classics like uh, Rosemary's Baby and uh, Peeping Tom, for example, and they truly build tension like, masterfully. And I love that kind of film. But aside from horror like that, I, I've hugely into just the weird and wonderful, like just cult films. Um, like there's uh, Giallo films like uh, the various Argento flicks, like Deep Red, Tenebrae, Cat and Nine Tales, things like that. Uh, Black Exploitation, Shambra uh, and Samurai films, um, Poliziotesky, and yeah, it's it's a very uh, wide net that I cast. But if it's from the kind of 70s and 80s, and it's generally considered to be shit, I'm probably gonna like it. I'm gonna find some joy in there somewhere. Yeah, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Right. Yeah, like you mentioned Halloween. Like my favorite Halloween film is Halloween Three, which is meant to be like the black sheep of the family. But I absolutely adore that film. And you were talking about that. I remember seeing. I think it's from Hitchcock. I can't. I can't. I don't know the name, but I remember seeing a 
uh, Hitchcock movie, which is, uh, the premise is very simple, right? Which is, uh, you know, someone that comes home um, after a long trip, kid thinks that he has a, a gift for, for him and finds a gun inside inside his bag and puts a bullet in it. And then basically the movie is him going around on the playground, just pointing at children and just firing, right? Like sort of a, like a Russian roulette. And it's incredible how how heavy and how, you know, like you said, it's not a gratifying horror or something, but that that psychological feeling that it gives, it's so, 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 so strong, right? It's, it's curious. Yeah. It's funny you should say that. That was actually uh, from a TV show, uh, Outfit Hitchcock Presents. Yeah. It's called okay, Bang so Your then, Dead. That's a classic. Yeah, yeah. So then, then that's where where I saw it for sure. Was was on 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 one of those episodes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big fan being, of that. I mean, being that I am significantly younger than both of you, old old bags of dust. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I haven't had much time to really explore at least the the seventies and eighties. That stuff that you really like. Um, and I know that a lot of our audience, I'm guessing, is probably closer to my age or a little just somewhere between where we are. In terms of age, um, I guess my question then becomes, are there, you know, I mean, you've mentioned old stuff and you like that, sure. But is there a more modern thing that has caught your eye? Are there newer things, you know, is there a, an a evolve of modern horror or psychological thrillers that really stand out to you that maybe I might recognize for the sake of this conversation? <laughs> there may be a couple. Yeah. I mean, with fewer, uh, sorry, with newer films that, to them to be truly great, it seems that they are few and far between, unfortunately. In my opinion, of course. Um, but there are a couple that have really um, screamed out to me to be just uh, like mo- like films by modern masters, really. Um, there's the films of Harry Astor, which I know go, we've discussed at great length before. Uh, Hereditary and uh, Midsummer, follow-up to that one. Um, both Truly great films, in my opinion. Absolutely adore those. And also uh, the films of Robert Eggers. Uh, so he started with The Witch and followed up with The Lighthouse. Both uh, slightly uh, avant-garde uh, approaches to the genre, especially The Lighthouse. But um, I was thrilled all the way through. I was on the edge of my seat. I was fully in suspense throughout. So, um, yeah, I cannot recommend those enough. Cool. Now... We also like to to go into one of the typical questions we do, uh, which is, um, again, not not trying to stir drum or anything, but if you could change something on the keyboard hobby as it is today, what would you do? What would be this thing that that you would change? And again, it could be uh, like like we spoke before. It can be uh, you know getting this Vogon guy out of of this podcast or or that goes without saying, really. Yeah. No, no, we love you. It's all right. Um, I, I'm not a fan of gatekeeping, and this is something that is unfortunately prevalent in any uh, hobby, especially when there's a community around that hobby. Um, I've always been at the mindset that we all started at some point. Uh, whenever we start, we know nothing. So of course we're going to ask what seem to be stupid questions for those more established, and if somebody new comes into the hobby and starts asking what a tofu is, if you're just going to turn your nose up at that question, then they're going to leave the hobby. They're not going to want to stick around. And we've got to help these people up. They've got to learn somehow. So why not just be kind to them 
you know, help them up it, answer their questions. I mean, they're not going to know any other way. I was in that same position before when I first started this hobby. The first time I tried to solder a board, I'd never soldered anything in my life, and uh, I lifted a pad, and I had no clue what to do. I thought, right, okay, this is meant to get chucked in the bin now. I've wasted a load of money, and yeah, that's when I first joined Discord, and I went on the MKUK server and also uh, Space Cat Designs, and some very nice people, uh, thankfully, reached out and. Uh, help me up, but without that, I would have been, you know, feeling pretty disparaged. You know, I probably would just want to quit it then because I just wasted a load of money for no reason. Yeah, well, you guys know my opinion on that too, right? But uh, but yeah, it, it is an important thing, right? It's um, and I like to I like to try and help too when I can, right? And uh, and I think it's an important thing, especially on that side when people ask. You know, I normally like to say there's no not not such thing as stupid questions, right? The question is a question. Right? Yeah, yes, excellent. you could you could hear it ten times or a hundred times and and for you it could be, you know, something that you know because you know you start but again when you start you don't. And and it's typical that, that people ask those questions, right? No, absolutely. Fully agree. We all, I think we all kind of feel out in that direction. I mean, aside, you know, Vogon and I's project here with this podcast and wanting to interview people who don't speak all that much in public or at least in the keyboard community, try and get their ideas and get um you know, some of their thoughts out there, uh, as well as I know James has been a big help for, you know, some aspiring keyboard designers. And then he's also helped me out with just a shit ton of just random questions with respect to keyboards. And I, myself, I try and be that way um, with switches since I've, you know, taken that torch, you know, somewhat by force from James. I, I we all <laughs> here really try and push for a not so gatekeepy community. You know, uh, James remembers, he just talked about it. I certainly remember where I started and Bogon will tell you that he's still just started, even though he's been around you know, yeah. long enough to yeah. help start a podcast. So we all, we all feel that way. So I, it's, it's a noble cause, but at the same time, um, if you are someone new out there, if you're happen to be brand new to this community and you're listening to this podcast, um, I wouldn't recommend spamming or, you know, DM spamming any of us, but I'm going to go ahead and throw James under the bus and saying, you know, if you're really lost and you just even need pointed in the direction of something, I'm certain that if you dropped into any of us and especially Vogon and I will try and help you out, we'll try and do anything we can to, you know, point you in that great direction because we have done similar things in the past. Yeah, definitely. So absolutely. You know, the only thing that I would like to say about that is that, um, you know, um, you know that the term the help vampirism, right? Which are two different things. So, you know, help, yes. Um, vampirism, which is basically now decide everything you want for me and do everything for me, is a different thing. But obviously, yeah, obviously that um, you know that's that's uh, very few cases where that happens. And uh, also, you know, your keyboard designs. I'm sure James would not be happy if we start encouraging you to steal designs from the Ayla and rain and stuff like that oh really yeah, I, I thought I, I thought i was going to to ask him now uh 1000 questions on 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 discord so i can build the exact same board oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> my, my advice is you get the advice you pay it forward afterwards that's how the community grows that's how we make this whole community a better place as well like people help me out i help other people out yeah and hopefully that will continue yeah paid forward exactly Right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, another, I guess, and kind of really the final 
question that we really have for you is uh, only like to do, or at least we'll be able to do for the next three or so more months while it's prevalent. But um, you've kind of spoke. You really enjoy film with a general sense of unease. And what better thing to think about general sense of unease than the year 2020? Um, a lot of people, it's been a complete write-off. For me, it's been you know an absolute roller coaster. For Vogon, I'm sure it's been somewhere between the general sense of unease and roller coaster. Um, I mean, what's left for you this year, James? Do you have boards coming out? And then this kind of my, uh, this is where I plug things. Yes, this is this is that section <laughs> that we gave you in the script where you you plug all your social medias at Alchemist underscore keyboards at Instagram, you know. Like not that, that well prepared exactly. shit. <laughs> Let's bring up Instagram. Right, okay. Um, I've got two group buys this year. Um, we've got the Ayla, which is a 75%, which I'm currently gradually teasing on Instagram, probably not often enough, which is hopefully coming in this November to Canon Keys and Prototypist in the UK. I've also got the um, the OGR, which we mentioned earlier. It's our vintage-inspired uh, keyboard, which uh, is hopefully coming this year. I haven't got a date yet. Um, prototypes coming very soon for that one and uh, yes if you um, go to our Instagram which is uh, instagram.com slash alchemist underscore keyboards uh, you'll find our discord server on there and uh, gradual teasers for any upcoming group buys we have yeah we'll make I sure to that's put, it. we'll make sure to put all of those links on the on the show notes for you guys Very uh, I, I think that you forgot something that you showed me the other day which I really loved Let's What's say this? that it's an apparel, right? Something yes. to, oh, to wear. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, we'll have t-shirts coming soon as well. Uh, need to wind out the details on that one, but uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled. Cool, cool. Anything else personal life? Any other points? Any other people to shout out? I know that you are you want to shout us out because we're, we're great co-hosts. But... You can do that yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um Bledin, good man, also of AKB, is doing a bunch of charity streams at the moment. Yes, um, Let's get his Twitch. It's here somewhere. Right, yeah, twitch.tv slash M-A-E-M-Y-R underscore Bledin, B-L-E-D-D-Y-N. Um, lots of charity streams at the moment, raising money to help kick cancer's butt. Yeah, he's very streaming. noble cause. Very noble yeah, he's cause. streaming all the time, so I'm sure you'll tune in any time of any day and he'll be there playing Destiny or something. Yeah. Well, at that, um, thank you very much, James. It's been a very good um, roughly hour or so now of, of talking with you. Um, appreciate your time coming out here, and thanks for you know, just kind of talking to us about keyboards since neither uh, Vogon nor I quite have the experience that you do. It's been a, been a blast. It we is. appreciate that. Thanks for it has me. been. It was a very good one, guys. Just a just a reminder: we have a, our website, uh, thethalk.com. If you guys are not uh, familiar with it yet, um, also make sure to go and visit Thermingoat's site, thermingoat.com, where you can find a lot of information about switches. Um, and yeah, and we will put in all the links for uh, James's uh, Alchemist keyboard details and everything on our show notes. Thank you so much for for hearing and uh, we hope uh, you enjoyed it and we hope you, you join us on the next episode.